0: We've got a uh, new sermon series coming up. Pastor Shane wanted me to do a little excerpt of a hymn, so uh, I'd love to perform that for you now. It's a hymn called My Faith Looks Up to Thee. thou hast done
1: grab one of those pew bibles we're going to refer to two passages here in a moment and this might be helpful during the sermon the the first one is going to be in the book of acts acts chapter 10 and then the next passage is going to be uh, first timothy Um, page numbers is 919 that's the acts passage and it'll be on the uh, right hand side of the page down at the bottom and then uh, the first timothy passage is um, is going to be uh, 991 and we'll look at those uh, in just a moment. Oh God, as we transition, where we move from singing into engaging a, a scripture passage, in hopes that God, through Your Spirit, You You leverage the the engagement with the text, so that what it creates is the kingdom of God inside of us. We we know that we can't do this on our own; that it's an act of Your Spirit, and so. What's required of us is to be open and with open hearts, open minds to uh, how your spirit works in in ways that are beyond us, and we just want to be a receiver of that. And so we we're also mindful, Lord, that we are relational beings, which means that we're part of the, the people's lives, families, friends, and we're we're grateful for that and. We know that, Lord, in, in times of either the mountaintop or the valleys, you're with us. And, and I would imagine in a room like this, there are people that this week has been a mountaintop for them. It's been a time of joy, a time of uh, bliss. And then at the same time, Lord, there's been those that have walked through the valley. And and sometimes the valley comes without a, a notice. It, it's not, we, we don't get wind of it, It just all of a sudden we're there and in the levels of sadness and pain and loss. And, and we're mindful of what the psalmist says, I cannot go anywhere without you being there. And so whether it's the top or the bottom of life, we're, we're grateful for that truth. And then we're mindful of those that this week, they've got tests, they've got um, treatments, surgeries. We, we want to be mindful of that. And if a way that in prayer we can present them to you, then that's what we do, O oh God. Uh, and we pray it now in the name of Christ. Amen. Sometimes, now it's not, all, not all the time, but sometimes one of the things that I do as part of my spiritual disciplines, it's part of my practice, is I'll incorporate uh, a hymn. Now, don't worry, I don't sing it. I mean, y'all, y'all, <laughs> y'all been around me enough to know that uh, I can hum the hymns. I'm not a singer. I mean, if there's any musical talent, in my family, trust me, it comes from Brooke's side of the ledger. There, there's no rhythm or ability to sing from the green side for sure. But what I do like is in disciplines. And what I mean by disciplines, it's those things that you engage in. And the classic ones are prayer, maybe reading or study of Scripture, service, worship. Uh, but there are others. It's what you do purposefully so that your faith can grow. That's what we mean by disciplines. And every now and then what I'll do is I'll take hymns or even the lyrics of, of the songs that we sing and hear, and I incorp- incorporate them into a practice of discipline, mainly because someone who's better than me can take poetry and take theology and, and link them together. That's really what you have uh, in hymns. that's what you have in the lyrics of, of the songs that we sing and hear and and some of those expressions are so good that it's, uh, it's helpful for me to incorporate them into time. Sometimes they're prayers. Sometimes they're, they're aspects of just for me to, to meditate or to reflect on. Uh, but, it, but it's helpful. And I, and I use them as, as a discipline. And uh, Laura mentioned this, and then Jake mentioned it before he, he sang part of a hymn this morning uh, over the next six or seven weeks I, I want to share some of those reflections with you of what it's like uh, what it's been like for me to, to take in some of those where people take poetry and they take theology and they they, they link them together and because uh, it came out of an experience about two months ago and I wrote about this in uh, one of the I think some of you received this Monday morning devotional that I email out called First Steps if you don't and you want it, just contact the church office. Kathy will get you on the list. And, but two months ago, we were, there was a service that took place inside of our sanctuary, and, and I was sitting in the sanctuary, and we, uh, we sang Amazing Grace. Now, I have to tell you, I've sung Amazing Grace probably 5,000 times in my life. I mean, it's just, it, you know, it, it's, you know we, we sing about 100 hymns throughout the year. But Amazing Grace is probably in the top five of the hundred that we've seen. And, uh, and so I was really wasn't thinking about the hymn, just, you know, I hate to say it, just kind of going through the motions, to be honest with you, I, you know. And, but we got to verse 2, and it just like a thunderbolt. And if you don't know verse 2, verse 2 is where the hymn, it talks about grace leading you in your past up to this moment. And then from this moment forward, grace leading you home. And I was overwhelmed by it. I mean, it was, it was, I was actually kind of shocked because I was, I was moved by verse 2. And I've sung verse 2, I don't know how many times. But in that moment, it was like manna from heaven. And when we were singing the hymn, it reminded me of a prayer that I've used uh, just throughout my life, not all the time, but it's what we know as St. Patrick's Prayer. And on, on the screen, you'll see part of St. Patrick's Prayer. It's, and and, and it's, I want you to get the image of the prayer that everywhere you go, God is with you. And so, part. And if you know St. Patrick's Prayer, it's a long prayer, but there's a good portion of it that says Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, on my right, on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I rise, Christ in the heart of, of every person who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me, Christ in the eye of everyone who sees me, and Christ in the ear of those who, who hear me. And I like the image that everywhere I go, Christ is leading me. And to use the verse 2, God's grace leading me to this moment, and then God's grace leading me even in the future. And so when we were singing that, I, I was uh, just uplifted. And so for the last two months, I've been carrying around this book. This is my hymn book. And I've been using different hymns as part of Part of just a prayer, part of reflection from my own life to to allow them to take where someone has, has in in poetic language describe their theology, and I've wanted them to to speak to me, which brings me to my faith looks up to thee. Now, Jake sang the first two verses. I'm sure you you might be familiar with the first one, but the second one may thy rich grace impart strength to my fainting heart my zeal inspire as thou hast died for me oh may my love to thee pure warm and changeless be a living fire i don't know if you know the history of this hymn a guy by the name of ray palmer he wrote the lyrics actually he uh he, he lived in the early 1800s when he was 22 he carried around this leather, uh, really just journal, and he would write all these reflections down. So he actually wrote 22 different poems that were in that, that leather that leather book, and he just carried it around with him. He he was uh, he was a teacher. Uh, of women at a school in the early 1800s in Boston later on he would he would obtain his phd in theology and would be ordained a minister but from the early age around 22 he he wrote 20 i mean he wrote all these poems and he just carried them with him often he would retreat either after class or at a time where there was just some some you know just a handful of minutes and and some of those reflections were what it was like for him in those moments of retreat where he would contemplate God's goodness. And so he just wrote about it. At some point in his life, he met another guy by the name of Lowell Mason. Now, at at one point in, in Lowell's life, he lived in Savannah, Georgia. And he was a teller at a bank. And that paid the bills because what he really wanted to do was compose music. And at some point, he moved to Boston and... Was in uh, music school, and it was there that he met uh, Ray Palmer. And he asked Ray if he had any lyrics of songs because he was working on composing some music. And so Ray gave him that little leather bounder, that little that binder, full of those 22 poems. And one of them, we know, "My Faith Looks Up to Thee." Later on in Palmer's life, he wrote about that one hymn that we sing, said it embodied for him in a very appropriate and simple language what is the most central in all of the true Christian experience, and that is this, an act of faith and a divine redeemer that in doing that, entrusting of the individual soul to that redeemer forever. Now, I have to admit, and I'll, this, is, you know, this is the part, I guess, I'm, I'll, I'll confess this. It is easy to forget this simple message of this hymn, which is a summation of the gospel. I have a theory. The longer we're connected to the church, to say it differently, the longer you are a follower of Christ, the greater the temptation to forget what's most fundamental to what it means even to be a Christian. Sometimes we forget that basic message. Sometimes we make it more difficult than what it is that that simply God in Christ redeeming the world. That in the life, in the death, in the resurrection of Christ, God takes all people, The broken, the arrogant, the sacred, the sinful, those who know they've made mistakes and those who know that they haven't. Somehow for the purpose of redemption. That's what you find in the passage. So look at the Acts passage, that first one. Acts chapter 10. Listen to how Peter described it because Peter is giving a summation of the gospel to Cornelius and his family. So look at verse 37. It says, you know uh, what has happened. And I'm reading from the NRSV, so it might be a little bit different. You know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Now, he's talking about Jesus. Then verse 38. That's the real verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Acts chapter 10. Now turn over to Paul, or to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 17, because this is how Paul summarized the essence of the gospel, writing to a mentee, this young man by the name of uh, of Timothy, who was was sort of like a disciple. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And because of that, you get this doxology. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's the truth of both of those passages when you strip away the fringes of your life, if we were to all do that, what we're all left with is we're standing in the same place, and that is we're all in need of God's grace. And that God's grace comes when the night is chased away and we're confronted with the decisions either we've made or we're confronted with the decisions that we haven't made. And we're reduced to this core of who we are. And that's when we realize that we need God's grace. And it's at that moment we also realize God's grace is enough. So here's my question to you. Do you believe God is for you? Regardless of what you've done, do you Believe, God is for you. That that his grace is so deep and so wide, and out of his own goodness, that is God's own goodness, he acts to bring wholeness, to restore what was lost, marred, broken. That's that second verse that Ray Palmer wrote about. May thy rich grace impart strength to my fainting heart, my zeal to inspire. And as that thou hast died for me, oh may my love to thee be pure, warm, changeless be a living fire. No show of hands. But how many of you have forgotten this? A message you've heard probably a million times, but for whatever reason, have simply forgotten it. Two weeks ago, we were, uh, John and and me and Matthew and Tammy Reynolds, they're our our delegates to annual conference. We were at annual conference. And I've been in ministry long enough now that many of the services that take place at annual conference, um, they actually mean a lot to me. Now, I have to tell you, early on, they didn't. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm beginning my 26 year of ordained ministry, and, you know, probably for the first 10 years of my life, I used them as an opportunity to either have a long lunch with some of my friends, maybe play around round of golf, or have a long dinner if the service was, at, was, was in the evening. Not so much now. I don't know if that's wisdom or just getting a little bit older, but the memorial service, I actually know all the people now. Every, every year, we have a moral service for pastors that have died and spouses of pastors that, that have died. And with the exception of two spouses, I knew everybody that was on the screen. And then the retirement service. Um, all those that were retiring, many of them are not just people. I mean, when I was, you know, young clergy, I would look at the people that were retiring. And I, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I knew them by name but now they're colleagues, some of them very close colleagues of mine. And what was interesting about both the memorial service and the retirement service is everybody said the same thing. So in in the memorial service, the the preacher was, was talking about God's goodness, to use amazing grace, God leading all the way up to that moment, and then surely God leading home. Same with the retirement service. You know, you have to limit preachers when you put them in front of a microphone. They had two minutes. Sometimes two minutes become ten minutes. You know, we need to get the, what is it, the Oscars, you know, where you pull them. They start playing the music. That's what we need to do. But they all said the same thing. Looking back, that what they see leading them to this moment was God's grace and then counting on that to lead them home. I don't know if you know the name Karl Barth. Karl Barth uh, with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, they're what we call the fathers of the neo-orthodox movement in theology, about 1930s or so. And they were calling the, 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 the church, and what I mean by that, the, the larger church, back to this, this core understanding uh, of theology. And, and Barth spent a great deal of his life, he was a professor, but he, would also, he spent so much of his time Traveling around the world lecturing on the New Testament and and after a lecture in Chicago He opened it up to a bunch of theological students th- and said, you know Let's do Q&A and and so one of the students he, he, he stood up and said, you know, dr. Barth If you could summarize the greatest te- teaching into just one line, what would it be? You know, how he answered it Jesus loves me this I know What's next? For the Bible tells me so. He said, that's the core. And so this morning, I'm calling you back to this basic message of the gospel, which is core to your faith and my faith, that in Christ Jesus, there's forgiveness, redemption, and wholeness. And I'm asking you again to recall and to remember how deep and how wide God's grace is which is freely given for you and to allow it to be like water that pours over in the depths of your soul through your skin and in your bones and to remember God is for you. How did Peter say it? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. Paul said, For that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. And because of such, now to this king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. May it inspire you, that gospel message, so that you give yourself to him. Lord, there are times where we need to go back and just hold again the, the core To hold again this basic message of in Christ Jesus, there's hope, healing, redemption, forgiveness. The way Paul said is that in you, you are reconciling the world. And for that, we are grateful. We do pray, God, that 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 grace would, would flow and to move into all of our lives in those areas of fear, in those areas of of pain, in those areas of brokenness, that in your grace we find a sense of peace and we trust in your love of us, that your grace has has, has led us all the way to this point and from this point forward your grace will lead us home. Grant us the strength to hold on to that again this morning. And we pray this in your name. Amen.